0: Alrighty, here we go. Here we fucking go. The first talking to myself episode since um since twenty yeah, since twenty twenty. I don't think I did a single one in twenty twenty one and uh, I did not want to repeat that same you know, same mistake in twenty twenty two. This is by far my favorite piece to create because it's the only thing that makes me feel like I'm getting to speak in front of people publicly, go to a seminar, do a, you know, a business summit, whatever the fuck it may be. And I know a lot of the world is still, you know, open to that idea. I'm sure if I knocked on enough doors and I hadn't made enough phone calls, I could find someone to host. It's just still, it's just one of these things. Putting on events is fucking hard enough. Like any of you guys who have ever done like the actual P&Ls of putting on an event and the travel and the equipment and the video and the media and all that shit. Like it's a lot of fucking work. I just, yeah, for right now, unless someone is so, if you're listening to this and you're so fucking gung-ho about having a live business summit, business conference, business seminar event, like, you're so fucking gung-ho about, like, shoot me a DM, we can talk, but, um, yeah, this this is going to have to scratch, scratch the itch. We've got a s'mores porter on uh, on tap here, and then a peanut butter milk stout after that, so... All the diabetes in my alcohol tonight. Um, That's a funny, like alcohol. Like, uh, I feel like alcohol doesn't get enough play in the fitness industry. I feel like enough of us don't talk about alcohol, whether we use it, whether we don't. If we use it, how much do we use it? Are we complete fucking degenerates? Or are we like, we just, hey, I have a glass of wine with dinner every night. and, And there's no right or wrong answer to any of these things. Alcohol is just one of those things. I think feel like you got to be like, yeah, drinking's okay. But, like, guys, like, I, you know, drink clear tequilas and, you know, light beers, you know, or go gluten free and get a cider or seltzers are great. And by the way, I fuck with seltzers. I, at, we have a craft seltzery. Like, literally, you can hit it with a football from uh, my house. It's absolutely amazing. But why, why is that? Like, why are drugs and alcohol? So fucking taboo for people in the fitness industry to talk about. I don't know, uh Forrest Forrest Young. Anyone know Forrest? Goes by the Instagram and TikTok handle. I know forrest. That dude came on my podcast. And he's a gym owner. He had a uh, he had a he had a you know, did really great, you know, crushed it and then had a had an epic fall from Grace. That a lot that brought him back was actually um mushroom use. He was microdosing, uh, mushrooms and he was absolutely fucking loving that. Um, why don't we talk more about drug use? Like as gym owners, I've been in the fitness industry my entire life and the people, the majority of the people I know in the fitness industry, a lot of them are, are connoisseurs of drugs when I say draw, I mean, I'm talking whether it be uh, weed or alcohol or fucking Coke or like I, I know a lot of people in the fitness industry that they dabble to sit, put it lightly. They fucking dabble real fucking hard. And let's just take it to the lowest level. Let's take it to alcohol, right? The legal one, marijuana, you know, if you, in certain states. Alcohol. Like I, you guys, you guys get it. Like I fucking, I love whiskey. I like good beer. I talk about drinking a little. It's not like at the edge of my fucking persona and who I am, but why in the fitness industry don't we talk about it more? Like, why, why is it, not, like, why does nobody ever sit there with like a beer or a glass of wine or a fucking, you know, a whiskey sour and sit there and make their content in front of you? Like, do, are we afraid of people seeing that and be like, oh, they don't embody the fitness lifestyle. Their advice can't be that good. Or like, is it as a gym owner, are you more concerned, like, I need my clients to think I'm setting the right example, this, that, and the other thing. Like, I don't know, I grew up with a you know grandma that would fucking crack me upside the head and just be like, do as I say, not as I do, fuck face. It's like, quote unquote, grandma. And, and I, I don't know, I've always lived on that. I'm the professional, you pay me because you are X amount of points away from whatever goal you have, fitness, aesthetics, whatever. Don't worry about what I'm doing. I'm not you. I'm not 30 pounds overweight. Like, so don't even apply yourself to my thing or think that my actions are any indicative of what you should be doing and vice versa. I don't know. Um, I, I just see, I was just thinking about that as I was cracking that or drinking that beer. Like why, why don't we see more of it? And I'll talk, like, I'll talk openly about it. Like want to, want to go through my entrepreneurial stack. Want to know what drugs I'm using? Here we go. This'll be fun. Um, Let's start at, let's start at the, the most taboo and work our way down, okay? So, um, TRT. I know, you, I know you can tell through the camera. If you're watching this, I know you're looking at me like, holy fuck, the dude is yoked. But it, yes, TRT. Quick backstory, back in college... While I, w- I was getting my sociology degree, that was just a fuck off, um, really enjoyed it though, my exercise physiology degree, I literally could have probably got in a minor in anabolic chemistry, really into it for a, a certain period of time, got into uh, steroids, and uh, I even got to a point where I was selling them, and I was using them for about almost two years, and I got up to like 215 pounds. Uh, if you if someone reminds me on Instagram, I'll post some pictures of me at 215 pounds. I'm like a buck 95 right now. five ten, five eleven when I want to lie. But that's, I mean, that's that, 215 fucking pounds. And it wasn't like shredded. I wasn't like, I was just like big. I was like, um, <laughs> I went to a middle of nowhere fucking school. I was intramural flag football defensive line big. Like I would, I fuck shit up on intramural flag football. Like that was my... That was my sport, right? When I wasn't doing CrossFit at the time um, or beer pong. Um, But yeah, no, I did them back then in college. I was really intrigued in them. Then the Beijing Olympics came and all the Raws from China got really hard to get. So you had to get all this, you know, bunk shit out of Mexico, and it it became really tough to be in the scene at that moment, Um, and I'd actually found CrossFit then, and this, you know, 145 pound kid fucking wiped the floor with me in a workout, and I was like, all right, well, that's that, Uh, no more gear for me, Um, I'm tired of fucking, you know, having my college girlfriend have to stick me in the ass, so uh, anyway, long story short, did steroids in college at a time when you probably shouldn't be doing steroids in college. And when I made mean probably, I mean, most definitely not. That's like pouring gasoline on an already burning fire. So that really get it. That took my endocrine system for a little, a, a little loop. And I was told I did it under the, the guise of a doctor, had a doctor at the time. And while he didn't agree, he made sure I was safe. We did blood work every month. Um, and he said, listen, bro, you're asking like, by the time you're, you know, late thirties, forties, you might, feel the long-term effects of this. And uh he wasn't wrong. So I don't know, right around I don't know, I'm 36 now, just turned 36. It was my birthday. Yes, thank you. Happy birthday. Um right around 30 like 4, I remember just low sex drive, less energy. Fuck it, just uh, just didn't have that same gusto in workouts or things like that. It was just, it was like, it was a little thing. Right. And then like 35, it got worse, like significantly worse last year. And so went to the doctor got tested, he, I tested, uh, on the below average level for test for someone with my, you know, with my stats and age and all that. So yeah, put me on TRT and, uh, everything's up to where it needs to be. It's a, a good clinic, you know, again, doctor, all that good shit. Um, I feel fucking great. Like fucking, I feel super great. Um, it's so funny. The thing that I use that kind of fucked me up is the thing I have to use to to hit homeostasis again. I don't know. It's weird. I don't, I don't understand all of it. Um, but anyway, TRT is number one. Highly recommend any of you guys that go and get low tests, like, and you actually have it, go get some. It's one of those things that once you start it, you're not getting off that train. It's not like, uh, it's like contacts, Like once you start using contacts, you're always using them or using some kind of eye correction, right? TRT is very similar. Make sure you do it with a doctor though. Do it legit. Make sure he gets you everything you're going to need to keep estrogen in line and all the other good shit and you get your blood work done and all that. But I highly, highly fucking recommend it, especially anyone who's on the back half of, you know, 35. Okay. Um, So TRT is one, Adderall. (laughs) fucking love Adderall. Did it a lot in college to party with, kind of study sometimes, sell to freshmen. Um, Did it a decent amount in high school for SAT time. And that was what was really hard to get. Like you really had to prove you had ADHD when I was in, you know, 2002, three, four in high school. And now you literally can just go into your doctor and say, I want Adderall. He's like, all right, well, here you go. You busy? I'm like, yeah, I'm busy. He's like, all right, here you go. So anyway, Adderall is drug number two. I'd like that. Do about 10 milligrams once a day, generally around like 1 p.m. or so. Because at that point I've been going since like five or earlier. Um, I dig that. What else am I at? Oh, I, I highly, highly enjoy marijuana. Um, marijuana is generally like a nightly ritual, something I, I'll generally smoke or eat it, relax. And I don't know about you, like some people like I want to relax with a glass of wine. Like I like to relax with a glass of whiskey too. But a glass of whiskey, like I, I like the taste. Like it doesn't like, it doesn't actually relax me. It just, you know, I'm still at the same level of stress. Even with a slight buzz, I just have a delicious drink in my hand. Um, marijuana is the only thing I've ever found that really just just shuts me down. I don't know about how many other business owners are like this, but at night I'd go to bed and fuck me if I just lie in bed and my body's like, you're exhausted. You got up at four, you worked out for an hour, you've gone all day, And it's, it's sleep, sleep time, buddy. Let's hey brain, let's go to bed. Let's, let's close this up. And my brain's like, "Mm, eat a dick body. You know what? Instead, let's stress over all the things that need to get done in the next month. Let's stress over things we just did. And if we didn't do them well enough, you know, is that video uploading right now? Or did it crash? Like my brain just is like, fuck you. That's not happening. We're going to stay wakey wake. And, um, that's where my good friend THC comes in and it literally just puts my brain in a fucking sleeper hold I am not like a functioning high person. I am literally, when I when I get high, I need to, um, if it's like an indica, right? Indica in the couch. Sativa, the one you take when you're going to go out and go drink and have a good time, right? A little more pep in your step with sativa. Indica's the the strain that's going to, you know, mellow you out a little bit more. You're going to want to just sit there and be a couch creature for a minute and watch some Netflix um that's the one I need I need indica at night that way my brain it's just like it's like you know a dimmer switch just give it about about two hours and that dimmer just goes all the way down to the point where I'm not stressed about shit and guess what I sleep like a fucking baby I sleep like a goddamn baby mm. the other thing that helps me sleep real well instead a drug though you can buy it legally um Get yourself an eight sleep mattress. Holy shit. And the app, and I can make it fucking freezing cold because I love my side of the bed cold. Girlfriend likes hers warm. Oh my God, I've never slept as good. I bought a a brand new mattress, eight sleep. Got the fucking little app that goes with it. Highly recommend that, kids. If you're having a hard time sleeping and you don't want to eat weed or smoke weed, Get, get yourself an eight sleep. Oh, and then, you know, whiskey, alcohol, beer. Like, that's that's the last drug on the list, really. Um, and, and that's, that's you know, that's a staple. That's a, a go-to. That's a whatever. Um, you know, I think, I, like, all Irish people are, like, functioning alcoholics. You know, like, like high-functioning alcoholics. Um, maybe I'm in that category. I don't know. I would definitely not consider myself an alcoholic. But I don't think... I've ever gone a week without drinking since I started drinking. Let's do the math on that. I started drinking when I was 15? I've never gone a week without drinking since I started drinking. And somebody some of you might say, "Why can't you?" Mm-hmm. It's cuz you got a problem. you addicted. You're an alky uh, maybe I just I don't know. I've never uh Never got in trouble with it. I, you know, I not real trouble. Um, never done anything dumb. It's never been court ordered that I had to stop. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I I can do shit in moderation and not be a fucking idiot. Um, so yeah, that's my entrepreneur. I'm gonna call that my entrepreneurial stack: T R T, Adderall, weed, and whiskey. You can order it down below. Click the link below. 20% off coupon if you use the 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 code word, get lit, all right? So that, that's it. So any of you guys who are doing drugs, please feel for f- more, my permission now is for you to talk more about it. And like the TRT thing, I think will really help. I think there's a lot of me like guys that might listen to this or watch this and are just like, holy fuck, I've been thinking about doing it, but I thought that'd make me a fucking pussy or a cheater or blah, blah, blah. like, do it. I don't know, I just wanna feel good. I wanna feel awesome. And in 2021, like if you don't see good, you can go and have a dude put laser beams in your fucking eyes, like burn your eyes with lasers. And when you get done, you now see good. I had it done. It's called LASIK. It's it fucking dope. Amazing. Like best $6,000 I've ever spent in my life. Okay. Um, the next best medical money I've ever spent, vasectomy. Highly recommend, highly recommend for any of you guys who are not looking to add to your fucking roster. Get you a vasectomy. Um but yeah, I don't know, like, why would you not take shit that's readily available and safe and, like, is under the guise of a doctor and all that shit? Like, because you're afraid of some taboo because you're a fitness guy and, oh, no, I should look this way, natural through hard work. Like, yeah, I don't know, dude. You're, everyone around 40 or so is probably going to be on some level of TRT, especially been working out pretty decently since your teenage years. Um, the body, uh, it, you know, it, it gets some miles on it. So. Anyway, those are the drugs, uh, and I think we should talk more about drugs. I I really do. But let's um, moving on from drugs. Dave Castro got fired. That's fun. Um, Dave Castro, for those of you guys who are not in the CrossFit world, he is a 17 year employee, and you call him even like an executive over at CrossFit HQ. 17 years. That's the kind of tenure like your grandfather talks about. Like, I worked at Xerox for 28 years. Like, nobody, fucking nobody works at a company for 17 years. Like, most even owners of companies don't even own their companies for 17 years. They exit way earlier. So that's really impressive. I think he got started around 2005. 2022, minus 2000. Yeah, so 17 years if my mathematics is doing well. Um, And he got fired. And I, I saw, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I don't follow the CrossFit HQ ecosystem real, real close. But I mean, when Glassman got fired in 2020 for the Floyd 19 tweet and some of the other silly shit, he, I mean, I, I figured they were just going to wipe out all the old guard. Like, everybody connected to him, just go. We need new blood in. But I get it. It was close to the games. Castro had so much in the works. Like, I'd keep him on board. Now the games are over. Um They're about to wrap up their inaugural or whatever open season, um, which is like the, the first round of the games. And and, and, and I don't know, they clipped him. They're, they're gonna have like the guy who was underneath him step up or something. But anyway, so this happened, I had no idea, had a CrossFit affiliate owner who brought it to my attention and asked my opinion on it. And, uh, and my opinion was, oh, I didn't know. Cool, thanks for informing me. And uh, proceed as normal, there's nothing to see here. Like it, an employee at the corporate headquarters of the company that you have a license with got fired. How does that impact you at all? Like when was the last time Dave Castro sent you an email or was involved in your business? And I can tell you, I, I, I've met Dave. Like Dave came to my gym when I was a CrossFit affiliate owner. He walked in the door, uh, in like 2000 and I don't know, 13 or 14. Yeah, I think it was 13 maybe or 14. And I was in the back office. Coaches were coaching classes. The gym was packed. We we're having a good night. I was thinking I was just after getting some emails done and I get someone go, Hey Stu, you need to come to the front. Like, uh, no fuck face that's your job. I'm busy. Like, no, Stu, seriously. Cause someone's here. You need to get them. Like, all right, fuck cops are here or something. And it was Dave Castro. And he was just in Charlotte. I guess they were hosted. There's like a level one being hosted or whatever. And I walked him around the facility. He's like, this place is huge. It's great. Why don't we host certs here? I'm like, I don't know, Dave. I've fucking been applying for those things forever. Back in the day, hosting a CrossFit cert was a really good deal. You'd make two grand for a weekend. Um, And really, my gym, we hosted two to three classes on Saturday, and that was it. So I just moved them to a park on those days, get paid $2,000. And I mean, we were hosting them almost every three weeks. It was great. Uh, But anyway, Dave came in, saw my setup, and literally gives me his email. He goes, you email me on Monday, and we'll start doing certs here. Dude didn't fucking lie. I literally emailed him on, uh, I think I I shot, shot the gun early. I fucking emailed him on Sunday or something. And he, we had, we had our first cert there, I think in four weeks and that was dope. And I had a great run hosting those certs for a couple of years. Um, and then they fired me from doing that. Uh, <laughs> it's a different story. There's a whole vlog about it. Go look on the YouTubes. There's a whole vlog on it. Um, but yeah, so anyway, Dave Castro, I've got nothing bad to say about the guy. I don't know him personally other than that interaction, which lasted a total of 12 to 15 minutes tops, right? That was it. So I got, I mean, nothing bad to say about the guy. But he got fired. He's been there for 17 years. The law of fucking numbers would say, yeah, once you've been somewhere 17 years, you're probably more likely to get fired than you are not. It's just how it goes, especially with a brand new CEO. But good God, if there aren't some fucking gym owners, CrossFit affiliate ones, that are, you would have thought this literally like, you would have thought that his firing meant that they had to fucking lose 20 members. What the fuck does it matter? Well, CrossFit's changing. Bro, shut the fuck up. You of course it's changing. And even if it does, what are you gonna do about it? You literally pay this pissant amount of money to use a name. That's it. Why would you feel like you're given any additional rights or securities or you know say in what happens? Why shouldn't this company fucking change? Every company is going to change over time. It's the one thing that's constant, change. Do you have all the fucking same coaches that you did three years ago? No, and that was three years ago, you stupid fuck. And you're upset because they, fi- not finally, but they, they replaced the guy or they moved him or fired him and he's been there for 17 years. The dude's been there for 17 fucking years, and they made some leadership changes, and you're all pissy? That just shows me the maturity you have as a business owner, that you can't zoom out because you, I followed Dave on Instagram, and when I went to the games in Madison, he took a photo with me, only jerked off to it 13 times since then, but I'm telling you, dude, it's not a big deal. It has nothing to do with your business. You have some emotional dick tie to this company of yours. Right? You got the calf tat of fucking pukey, and you, you just like that. You, de- you like live for this thing when really the relationship with you is worth $3,000 a year. And ultimately, I'm sure they want you to do well, but at the end of the day, you're beyond, beyond replaceable. Yet you're going to freak the fuck out when a 17 year employee is. Let go by the new CEO bringing in a new regime, and this was like the last of the old guard. Get the fuck out. Like, how do you not see that? Like, how do you not have a neutral position and make commentary? Like, when I watch Kirk Herbstreet, anyone knows Kirk Herbstreet? Former player for the Ohio State Buckeyes he's probably one of the the biggest college game day announcers that they have. He gets all the primetime games, good looking, tall dude, blue eyes, blonde hair, just the fucking Aryan wet dream. And uh, whenever Kirk has to comment on Michigan in a positive fashion, there's like the Ohio State fan in me that's like, what a fucking piece of shit. No, you say that Michigan sucks and they should all fucking burn in hell. But then I'm like, no, he's he's a professional. He's he's neutral, right? He's just calling the game neutral. Sure, he's got favorites and sure he has preferences, but he's a fucking professional. So he's gonna call it like that. And then you got these business owners. Did you guys call yourself professionals? Like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. I can't spell it, but I'm one of them and it sounds important. And I'm a business owner and I'm gonna use that as a fucking title to make, put myself up on this pedestal amongst my friends and family. But I can't even think like an actual business owner. I'm thinking like a pissed off, angry ex-girlfriend, right? Like, you cut Susie from the team? I'm never going to practice again. Like, I, I just like, I don't know, dude. I, uh when I see people get upset by news like that, my first zoomed out reaction is, all right, they're having an emotional thing. That's fine. They really like Dave or they've been around forever. Maybe they've met him a bunch of times. They have some memories with him, or something. They've been to the game. I don't know. So let them have a reaction. Like just, you know, throw a tantrum for a second and then get back to work. But holy shit. I mean, it, the news story hasn't even been 24 hours. But my emails and DMs of the concern, like people who are overly concerned about this thing, it just blows me away. It absolutely gives me, it's the thing that doesn't restore my faith in the future of the micro gym owner. Because good God, like, I don't know about you. Um, if I had some bold predictions for 2022 through 2025, there's a lot of changes coming to the CrossFit affiliate owner. I don't want to go into all of them. Um, I, I think there's gonna be a good amount. And I don't think they're all bad. I don't think a lot of you guys will like them, um, but I, I have some predictions, and I will—I'll publish them at some point. It just there's a there's a fine line in dance I got to walk on that, but um, I do. I think there's gonna be a lot of changes, and if if you think one guy getting fired, no matter how iconic he was to you, um, I, uh, I I think you're you're in for a rude awakening. If that's really gonna fuck up your week, all right. Um, moving on from there, if you guys see this, this I got a little note card. It's got all my little notes I put on here. Like the first one I just put, drugs. Second one, Castro. Uh, the third one, all right? That uh, that entire thing I just ranted on about the Castro thing, I think it boils down to a, a bigger issue. And that bigger issue is 100% the desire for losers to blame other people but themselves. For their current unfortunate situation. Let me repeat that again. Losers, fucking losers, like to blame other people for their bullshit. There's always a finger to point and it's never a thumb. And I think that there's a handful of these owners that are upset that are going to try to tie this movement or anything else that CrossFit HQ does to the reason they're not as successful. They're gonna blame it to whatever. It's like, let's take it out of CrossFit. I I don't want people to think I'm just bashing on CrossFit here. uh, I'm working with a franchisee who is 100% dissatisfied with their support from the franchisor, the corporate company. And uh, we actually opened up their entire franchise manual and even the, the documents they got right as they were signing. And it showed, pretty much, it shows all the promises of the franchisor here's what we are going to promise you. So you're successful. Went down the entire list with this guy. I'm like, which one of these have they not come through with? None of them. Okay. Then what's the problem? Well, I'm having this kind of problem and they can't help me fix it. Like, is that problem? Is it really common amongst all the other franchisees? Is that a problem they're all having? Well, I I don't uh, maybe one or two of them. Okay, like one or two out of 400. Okay. So, tell me this, buddy. Riddle me this. <laughs> is this really a problem with your with the franchise or the parent company or is this a you problem? And again, this is just the guy who uh, you know just wants to blame someone else for their inability to execute on the fucking job. That's what they're doing. And we see that all the time. How many times is one of your clients one of your members uh well the programming was like this or the workout was written like that so i i'm not getting better results like again like when uh, when clients and members they're the most ignorant smart people in the world right because they read two men's health articles um they they follow fucking uh some chicken Iceland on Instagram and they've been paying $9.99 a month for comp train. They want to tell you how to go ahead and, and what kind of programming to run. Um you who's been doing this for over 10 years and can actually spell abduction. Right, like I just—it blows me away when people are always looking to fucking blame someone else for their fucking their inability to to fucking deliver, to convert, to achieve. It's always someone else's fault. I'm the quickest person. I've I've started practicing this probably right around the time I graduated college. I was always trying the quickest person. If there's something that goes wrong in my scene, in my life, it's my fault first because that's the easiest. Blame me. And now I don't get in any fights with anybody. I don't get in any arguments. And then I really sit down and do this introspective. Okay, okay, is that really me? Is that really my fucking fault? And I I like look for reasons why it's mine. And if I can't find any, like I'm like, all right, you you kind of threw yourself on the grenade there because you think that's some good moral ethic code or whatever the fuck reason that my brain makes me do that. And no, that that one wasn't you. That was definitely fucking Carl. All right, Carl's a cunt. He fucked up. This is his fault. Now go talk to him about it. But I mean, explore, like, look at yourself first. Jesus. You guys have got to, you know, do the mirror thing, right? Look in the mirror before going and blaming other people. There's very few issues in owning a micro gym that are going to relate to your customers being the source of the problem or your employees. And I know a lot of you guys like, no, uh, uh-uh. uh, I had an employee and he butt fucked 10 of my members. Um, and they were all married. And then he fucking did donuts in the parking lot while dangling a baby out the window, screaming, hi ho silver while playing back in black really loud. Like, yeah, okay, sure. Maybe in that instance. And what just happened to this fucking camera? Hold on guys. Bingo. We're back. Might lose that camera again. Um, this is what happens when you're dangerous enough that you don't need a videographer, right? And you can run this all this yourself. You have to run all this yourself. Um, but yeah, no, okay, maybe, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe that employee was the fucking problem. Maybe that fucking, you know, st- uh, pain member was the problem. Rarely though. Like it's going to be a pretty unique scenario. Generally it always comes back to you. You hired that motherfucker. You allowed that member to stay, Every time I hear a fucking uh, gym owner like, oh, this person, toxic, they did this, and they, they started this click, and they got people angry about the decision I made. Bro, this happened before you guys. You watched it slowly evolve over fucking years, and you didn't do anything because you're a little bitch. You saw the problem happen. You're like, well, I really want her $165 a month. Shucks. I'm just going to let her go ahead and keep talking shit on my programming. Dude. The fuck? You allowed that toxicness to develop. If it's an employee who, you know, was great in the first three months of their, you know, being hired during that hot, you know, honeymoon phase. But then they went ahead and you like started kind of going a little rogue. Started talking bad about some of the decisions you're making. Not coming to meetings. Just punching in and punching out. Not really being a part of the culture and the community. And you're like, yeah, but I don't want to fire them because... I don't want to coach the 5 a.m. class Monday through Thursday. Then fucking fucking sleep in the bed you made, motherfucker. You made the goddamn decision to not make a move on an employee you knew was not looking out for the best interest of the company. That's your fucking fault, not the employees. Again, just like any owner that goes fingers first instead of thumbs, I'm just like, mm. The bitch assness, like good thing it's not contagious, at least I don't believe it is, or I would be fucking infected right now just talking to you. You've got to knock that shit off. Always take responsibility and then you can reverse engineer it to the point at which you recognize the flaw in the other human and could have made a move because you know what that does? That gives you a precedent. Yeah, you know what? The more I think about this, it was our third staff meetings after I hired her. And she said she wasn't going to come because it was her boyfriend's birthday brunch. And I told her it was really important. We were going over all the new numbers for the year. We were talking this, that, whatever. And she goes, yeah, but I should have known then that that was not going to work out. Next time that happens, I'll know better. See what happens when you point a finger, right? You don't learn anything. Oh, they did that. It was out of my control. How could I have ever stopped it? They did it. Meanies. No, fuck face. Point that thumb. You point that thumb and you're able to then go ahead and say, all right, when did I, when could I have stopped this? And you'll think back and like yeah, at that moment, that's what it was. Now you just fucking install that in your brain. You write that shit down, put it in your diary. And next time that pops up, guess what? You're going to be a better owner because of it. Guys, that's the difference, man. Point those fucking thumbs, not fingers. Um, real quick, let's let's swap beers here, real quick. That was delicious. Um, I don't know about you guys. Winter time, favorite time for beers. Like just the holiday season. Love fall beers. Love um, Christmas ales. Any of you guys ever had like Great Lakes Christmas Ale? Thirsty Dog out of Akron, Ohio. That's some of my shit. Um, I like porters and stouts in wintertime, you know, it's just like darker beers. It feels good. It's cold out. I say it was cold out, but in Charlotte, it's like fucking, you know, it was in the seventies a week ago. Um, it's January. All right. Got the new beer. Let that head settle. Let that foam settle. Let's talk brick and mortar, brick and mortar. So 2020, everyone says brick and mortar goes away, Right. 2021 everyone's like, "Well, Brick and Mortar's back, but it's just really hard." Brick and Mortar was always hard fucker. It was always hard. Um now 2022, here's here's the Brick and Mortar. Brick and Mortar has to become experiential. And you're going to see the biggest names do it first cuz they have the money. So, uh Lululemon, Alo, Alo, I think it's Alo maybe, A L O if you're familiar with that company. Uh Gymshark. Who else is doing this? Um, I'm having a hard time thinking of some other ones, right? This and maybe Tommy John, a couple of their a handful of brands, and this will be coming. I'll probably do something on this uh, WTF Weekly. You guys know that. That's my weekly newsletter that goes out every Monday where I hit you with business insights from you know relative shit in the fitness industry with a few F-bombs. And these bigger companies are, a lot of them do most their sales online. Like the vast majority of their sales is done online, so why are they pouring a ton of money into brick and mortar? Because here's what happens. I want you to walk in again. If anyone could just take a second and pretend you are a you know you are someone who studies industry and business and and you like to look at trends. Let's think of the trend. Early on, it was this thing where when boutique fitness hit, micro gyms kind of hit. We're talking curves. We're talking the rise of Globo gyms. We're talking the rise of CrossFit and other boutique brands. People were running deep into these facilities, retail, flex space, industrial warehouse, wherever these places where they're going into, they're doing the thing and they're leaving. Okay. That's for the gyms. Think of retail. There was a period of time where retail was really big. Think department stores and then Macy's and Belk and Dillard's and Nordstrom's um they all started getting their dick kicked in by D2C direct to consumer brands right all those shops and stores you buy online like 10,000 10,000 is a men's athleisure brand like athletics athleisure brand i uh i've spent since they found me on Instagram i spent an ungodly amount of money in 2020 or sorry 2021 on 10,000. Like I literally have packages delivered here from 10,000 almost every week. Girlfriend fucking just teases the shit out of me on it. But direct to consumer brand, found me on Instagram, targeted me, retargeted me thousands of times over, finally bought one, loved it. And now I buy it all. That's how that works. So big box stores are now fearful of these online guys. And now you have online, those online guys with no overhead and all the sales Like 10,000 is going to open up retail stores. Roan is going to open up retail stores. Lululemon and Athleta are going to open up more experiential. Is it experiential? Yeah, experiential. I think that's the word. Experiential. uh, Creating more of an experience in these retail stores. And that's where that's going. And I'm going to tie this back to, to your micro gym in a second. These retail stores realize that they're goners. They're fucked. If all there is a place to walk in, buy the clothes, try them on, and walk out. They're going like to lose to all the Instagram stores, all the D2C, direct-to-consumer brands, are going to slowly just take the market share. And then all these companies are going to go out of business. Like, so many already have. Like, Dillard's is in tough shape. Macy's, I mean, Sears ate shit. Like, all those big department stores that, I mean, I'm an elder millennial, 1985. I mean, I remember going to my, like, with my mom to fucking Sears to buy a washer and dryer. And then we went there and got my, you know, went to Dillard's to get my shoes and all this other shit. Um, That's not the case anymore. So now brick and mortar stores realize, okay, okay, Obviously, people are always going to go brick and mortar, just like the fitness industry. That's never going to go away. But the experience is going to have to be ramped up. It cannot be just a pop in and pop out. Now, hold on a second. Mm. I like this so much better than the s'mores. This is a uh, a left-hand brewing company, peanut butter milk stout. Absolutely love it. So... Retail locations are going to have to become more experiential. You're going to have to have an experience here. Uh, ALO, ALO, whatever the fuck that brand is, A-L-O, is opening up stores in New York City that have podcast recording studios, yoga studios, meeting rooms, co-working, coffee-like hangouts, bars, all that. Lululemon has got a few of those as well in the works. Um, Gymshark is doing one. And if you're not familiar with Gymshark, the UK brand, I mean, there's no reason in the world for them to open a brick and mortar. Oh wait, there is. Cause they believe in community. All these stores, what that does is it creates community. All these retail apparel and product locations, it's about community. Okay. Which is what you guys do all really well. You create community. However, you're creating the community in the vacuum of the service. They're going to create community in the adjacent opportunities that exist within the lifestyle of their customer. So right again, if you're a Lululemon customer, you're into fitness, well-being, that's why they're going to have juice bars in there. They're going to have meditation rooms. They're going to have open spaces for you to just study or take a meeting. They're going to have yoga studios that are used weekly. There's going to be, fuck, I mean, like, those are all the things that somebody would, like, what's the, like, why would you ever go to a Lululemon unless you're buying something? Well, the world's going to change when you also go to Lululemon for a meeting, Yes, people will at some point go to Lululemon to have a fucking meeting. Where do you go now for meetings publicly? Coffee shop. If you're meeting me, it's the bar. Nah, eh, sometimes. Eh, no, it's probably the bar. Um, but fuck, you're we're literally like, where where else would you go? Why then? Why wouldn't companies that have rabid fucking fan bases create? meeting places, places where people convene, places where people could spend time. And you're like, who's gonna drive to the fucking mall, park, walk through a mall and go there? That's why that's not where those stores are. If all those stores, all those like examples I gave, they're in metropolitan tier one cities, standalone spaces where you go in and it's gonna be all about the experience. Now, I told you as i take this over to the micro gym. um, There are brands that, only focus on the experience within the studio. And they mainly do that, obviously. It's an operational capacity thing. That way, they don't have to rent huge fucking locations. Metabolic, Alchemy, Orange Theory, F45, Shred 415. Who else? Who else got to throw in here? Barry's Bootcamp, Row House, um, Pure Bar, Club Pilates, Cycle Bar, all these companies none of them are going to go that route. They're just not big enough brand yet. They're not. Now, when they get big enough to where somebody wants to have an experience, I think we may see that change. I think we might, all right? Now, again, we're talking services versus products. So when I was talking about Gymshark and Lululemon and Alo and all that shit, that's fucking, those are products. That's apparel, okay? Merch. We're talking services, so will services go the way of experiential locations? They will. You're seeing Lifetime Fitness already do that. You're seeing places like John Reed's Fitness do that. You're seeing some of the Gold's gyms have been bought up by that UK company. I think it's German. Completely gut the locations, and half of the location is fitness. The other half is corporate, business, meeting experience, bar, we ish kind of shit. Now, what does that mean for your micro gym? I, I, here's what I think. Your brand's not big enough to the point where you need a fucking experiential location, but, but there are very few micro gym owners who would say this, and I'm fucking one of them. I created an experiential location. Those of you guys who aren't familiar with my previous work, when I created Urban Movement, I created a place where people could work out and get work done. It was my unique, it was my niche. I had a coffee shop, we had the spin studio, if you're into that. We had urban movement in the back if you were into that, but it was the very first brick and mortar micro gym I had ever been in that had a full-fledged coffee shop. I don't mean just like a fucking pump pot, full-fledged food, anything, sit down, lounge, the whole deal. People took meetings there and I will tell you this, I know I'm retired now, uh, but I can tell you this. When you have a coffee shop or any kind of experiential thing that is open from fucking 7 a.m. till the time you close, you get a lot more leads than the other guy in town. Fucking promise you. You get more leads. You have more, your front desk has more conversations with people. Your brand gets recognized. It is absolutely incredible. I have a gym I'm working with right now over in the UK. Very excited for them. They are building a location and they got this really dope coffee spot that they're gonna put in and they've got a, a company with good branding because don't do that. Don't start a coffee shop, don't be a fucking moron. Don't don't do that. Um, just because you like coffee doesn't mean you should start a coffee company. You should hire someone. I mean, by hire, you should have a tenant, someone's gonna do that shit for you and pay you rent and be responsible for that. But I truly believe experiential micro gyms will come into the fold. I don't know if that completely looks like a coffee shop meeting kind of third place kind of thing, or if micro gyms start partnering with already experiential experiential companies. I have a client here in Charlotte, North Carolina, called Huga. Huga is a local co working company. The owner Garrett Tinchi, did an amazing job. He was quick to it. He popped up three locations before WeWork ever got here. I think. And um, local guy, beloved by the local community, he does he does all the right moves local. And he put in uh, there's a CrossFit gym next to literally in the same building as one of his locations. They went out of business, and he took it over and put in a fitness location and uh, hired some good talent. And now they have for all the the co working members, they all now have a gym membership they can go to and utilize and do group classes. And it's it's a great hit workout. So I see that opportunity as well. Established experiential locations who want to have a fitness element. And why wouldn't they? Like, if you can make the real estate part of it work, if you can make the building work, because that's the hardest part, okay? Then why not, like, again, think of a gym. If if you're not a a gym owner, you're a, a local co-working or coffee company or a bar or a fucking whatever, why would you want a gym? Why would you want anything attached to you, a part of you? Well, gyms are good for, on the low end, six. On the high end, 12. Full classes a day. Full classes, let's say, on average, 20-some people a class. Six to 12 times 20 it's additional foot traffic for your thing, whether it's that coffee shop or the craft cocktail bar or the fucking art gallery or the fucking co working space. Yeah, I see a lot of collaboration opportunities, and I have these conversations especially once I announce retirement. i like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa 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 man, I was totally about to hit you up about putting an urban movement next to my, you know, it's a, it's a really good cafe in the morning and it's a craft cocktail spot at night. I, listen, someone else will take it. There's someone else that you could partner with. And I'm telling you, there are those conversations are available in your cities. They are in tier two and tier one cities. They're totally available. Tier three cities, you're gonna need to find someone with a very, a very good imagination. Guys, those are available, and I do. I believe brick and mortar will become more experiential. I believe gyms are going to look to sign retail locations in areas that are experiential. So, okay, Metabolic, for example. Metabolic is not looking to put a coffee shop at any of their locations, and I don't fucking blame them. What I think they're going to look to do in the future is when they choose retail locations, number one, the numbers have to work, right? So they got to choose the right location for the size and the cost. So their franchisees are successful, which they do a fucking phenomenal job of. And then number two, they need, ideally would love to choose a location that has opportunities for that customer to get involved and stay in the area, right? Like, would it be great for Metabolic if they have their brand new, you know, um, DC location and right to the left of it is a dope coffee shop and right to the right of it that opens at four o'clock is a sick Irish pub. They're experiential now without ever having to pay the money to be a part of those bigger things or bring in those tenants, right? Because these experiences, you're not looking to capitalize, like, oh, I'm gonna make all the money on the coffee and the, co-. no, 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 don't stay in the business of fitness, stay in the business of micro gym. But if you have the opportunity because your building's bigger than you need, or because there's an opportunity with your neighbor next door in the retail location to create some better experience, I think those are the micro gyms that win in like a 10-year window, a five to 10-year window. I think we're going to see it. It's always tip of the spear. Those top brands, Lululemon, fucking Gymshark, all of them, they're going to take a swing at it. They're going to do it right. They're going to do it wrong. They're going to spend millions and it will always fucking trickle down it always has and it always will because the biggest brands influence the most people and guess what they do they set the fucking standard bottom line they set a fucking standard that the rest of us small guys have now have to try to emulate or lead or you know uh, compensate for right and and ultimately what i think is that the experience part plays really well to um, cities coming back online, I'm you know, a big pro cities coming back online post COVID. Um, I do believe people working at home to a degree hybrid model is, is really useful, but all these companies, you know, fucking bank of America is not going to get rid of the real estate. They're just going to repurpose it and make it better, make it a place people want to go to work. I, so I think a lot of the downtown areas in tier one and tiers two cities are completely have to rethink the spaces in which their employees convene. They're going to make them better, very a la Google or any like of the tech startups or companies if you've ever done tours of those offices where you're like, holy fuck, I would love the work here. Are they playing fucking ping pong over there? Is that fucking, like, is that beer on tap in the fucking cafeteria? Like, they make these places, places people want to be. Um, I think in a post-COVID, whatever the fuck that means, world, we see people not taking for granted, oh, they have to come here. We want to make, make them want to come here. That's it. Like, and that's, I, that's why I don't believe brick and mortar ever dies. I don't think we ever sit at home in our pods with our Oculus VR headsets on and just don't go fucking anywhere. I think what we end up doing, though, is we end up only going to the places that we fucking get the most out of. Like your favorite spots. The places that give you more uh, than what you expected, which I think is the cornerstone of any good business, and it ultimately just comes down to the fact of uh, you. It folk forces you to really focus on a tribe. Like if what the fuck gym talk? Okay, this is dope. I'm all right. If what the fuck gym talk had a brick and mortar location, all right? It, it would be a location where you came in. There'd be plenty of fun, nice, open space, clean um, to get work done, right? Productive place. There would also be a coffee shop with good fucking food, right? To keep you fueled throughout your workday. There would also be an amazing fucking whiskey bar with nothing but like Guinness and Smittix and some dope craft seltzers on tap And it would be this awesome spot for, at the end of the day, when you want to network and just kind of mingle with other people and, you know, network and all that kind of shit, it would turn into that amazing fucking place. And on the weekends, we'd host, you know, SME conferences and business summits and people come together and just share good ideas and all that. Like, that's what my brick and mortar, you know, experiential spot would be. It'd be that. It would also there'd be like a gear section. Like I would have a fucking B and H or somewhere that has camera gear and podcast equipment and all that set up in there, and where you could go and buy. And if you buy, you can learn. They would fucking teach you how to use this stuff and shoot content. This is like that'd be an experience. If you were ever in Charlotte, North Carolina, and you were a fan of what the fuck Gym Talk, you would visit that fucking location. It'd be part. It'd be it'd be one hundred percent something you'd have to stop by and experience. There'd be podcasting studios that you could just have an impromptu pop up. I need to go make this video. I need to go record this. There'd be fucking recording studios, video studios with cameras ready to go. You just have to walk in, hit the record button, and you're good to go. Take the file with you when you're done. That, my friends, would be an experience. Will I ever make that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a strong, strong, probably not on this, but don't, don't ever rule anything out. But do you see what I'm saying? Like where I can even sit here and create this imaginary thing in my head with the one question. And I learned this from Greg Glassman, all right, taking it back to CrossFit. Every day, walk into the business and ask yourself, how do I make this better for them? Not me. It actually will cost me pain in the short term. It'll cost me money, time and effort, It'll cost me creative ingenuity that I may or may not have, and I might have to employ other people to help me out with. But will this make it better for the end consumer, for my customer? If the answer is yes, then I do it. If I can't afford it. I save up for it. But that's it. Like, that's, like, when you think about it, that's ultimately what all of you guys should be thinking. How do I make it better for the customer? Yes, there has to be math to it. Like, well, I, if I gave everybody a bottle of Dom at the end of every workout, they'd fucking love that. Okay, yes, but the math doesn't work. Does it make it better? And does the math work out? Maybe even on a, like a long tail ROI, not even an immediate ROI, but on a long tail, does the math work? And that's, that's what all good businesses do, guys. That, that's ultimately how it is. But even as I walked through that little daydream of creating my own WTF Gym Talk brick and mortar, I mean, think about that. Like that, that that was it. Like that, that's exactly it would meet my brand. It would entertain my, my customer. They it, they would get more out of it. They'd love to go there, meet other people that are obviously in the same micro gym thing, you know. It, it, that would be it. Shoot content. Like fuck. That's exactly how it'd be. And I think that's how you guys will be thinking about your micro gyms in like five more years. Not right now. In five more years, you're gonna be thinking about how to create an experiential location. And all the big guys will already be doing it, or at least started the process. So there'll be some kind of a blueprint. But if you get a chance, look into those companies I mentioned, check out where those locations are, and go see them. Experience them. Because for you to sit there and shit talk from your screen, like, fuck that. Lifetime Fitness opened up a 97,000 square foot experiential location. I don't even want to fuck. I don't even care. It's so stupid. Good just, just sit there and please slowly die. So the rest of us that are interested in what the future holds and like to be challenged and don't want to just sit in our fucking, you know, the, com- the comfort of what we've known and what got us to where we are, we'll, we'll go check it out. We'll absolutely go check it out. Guys, thank you so much uh, for hanging out here uh, in the first talking to myself of 20 fucking 22. I'll talk to you guys soon.